Hello and welcome back to the Gorporium. We've missed you. She has. I haven't. She's a liar. Or is she the liar? Of course I'm not. They call me Lily, the not liar. And I'm still Bella. We're just two gore whores who love to tell riddles. One of us always tells the truth, and one of us always lies. Wait a minute. Uh, is that right? I don't know. I've never understood it. <laughs> so, I'm sure you've noticed, but we've done some renovations at the Gorporium. What do you mean you haven't noticed? I suppose it does look about the same, but I promise you'll notice the improvement soon enough. I'm sure you haven't missed our beautiful Christmas decorations, though. Yes, those are teeth and toes on the tree. Uh, not my choice. Don't ask where they came from. Never you mind. Come and have some eggnog and forget all about it. My mulled wine is better. Ah, oh, there she goes, lying again. Well, to start the Christmas season off right, we just watched Black Christmas in 1974 and let us tell you all about it, as if you have a choice. I hope you like spoilers. And sexy feminist icons. You better. You do? Good. Let's begin. What have you been up to? Well, me and my housemates, we watched Perfect Blue again, which was very, very fun, very good. It remains at the top of my list of animated horror movies. If you guys haven't Mm -hmm. seen it, fucking check that shit out. It is so good. Like... It gets me every time I get, like, riled up. I'm like, oh, oh, what's going to happen next? Even though I know, because I've seen it before. But I'm like, oh. So that honorarily goes in our recommendation section, then. Oh, we have a recommendation. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We do now. As I said, we've got some renovations going on at the Gorporium. (laughs) I haven't been here, man. I'm (laughs) part-time. So, and then the other, this is not, this, I can't recommend this, like, with intention so i'm not putting this in the recommendation section but so after watching perfect blue me and my housemates Mm -hmm. decided to and by housemates as you guys know i do mean tiny haunted dolls yes we decided to partake in some herbal remedies and Mm -hmm. watch magic mike (laughs) oh (laughs) it was so it was so frustrating is anyone- Frustrating! Have you seen Magic Mike? You know what? I have, but I was also on Herbal Remedies. Oh my god, why is it? It's a good movie to watch whilst partaking in Herbal Remedies. <laughs> I remember it being really good. You know, okay, so that's the thing, isn't it? Is that it is actually really good, but because it's they already- It's surprisingly good yeah. for a movie called Magic Mike No, about it's actually male kind strippers. of incredible. Um, but the problem is, is that because they knew already they were going to make a second one, the first movie just ends like halfway through the plot. Like you're building <laughs> up this plot, and I was like, oh my yeah. god, what's going to happen when they get to Miami? He's did he failed to sell all these ecstasy pills. What's he going to do, Mike? 
he's decided to do a runner. Oh my god. And then the movie just ends <laughs> and you're like, oh, uh, wait, what? Yeah. Like I was getting into it. I was like, I want to see how all this it's shit resolves. A and I got a male stripper off. cliffhanger. I was pissed off. It was actually genuinely really good, but um, it did make me unattracted to men. Unattracted to men? Yeah. I just think that their little routines are so silly. Yeah. I will say the production value of their, their strip club is incredible. <laughs> yes. like they have very elaborate costumes and props and like like themes. Yeah. Well, this is like when, you know, you have a bachelor rat party and I've had one myself. A but bachelor I went... rat party? <laughs> bachelor rat party. <laughs> That's what you party. had. You had a bachelor <laughs> rat party. What I had, I just unleashed a bunch of rats in my <laughs> living room and then just like raved with them. Just like on the floor, just like, yeah, uh, let's get it. No. <laughs> I was gonna say some watership down, but those like, in rabbits. what way is that like watership down? <laughs> I don't know, just disturbing um, rats that are like semi-human dancing around my living room, having their own issues in life. <laughs> you know what? The more know. you describe it, the more it's sounding like both watership down and fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm talking Two about. Two more animated horror movies in my eyes. But you know when you have a bachelorette party? I do. Lots of women get male strippers and lots of people go to like places like Chippendales. Yeah. To be thirsty at these men who are doing their, their fancy routines yeah, and their very bust and oily. dance routines. Yeah. It's not for me. I mean, I think I'd quite like going to Chippendales for a laugh. I think it would be but funny, I, but I don't think they're I very I certainly hot. wouldn't be. Yeah, I wouldn't be in the audience being like, for no. that really oily buff man who probably smells weird yeah because well and he's now shoving his thonged butt in my face and then pretending to like hump it like i don't really it's not my type it's not for me so what have i been up to this week yeah it was your birthday it was my birthday so i had a birthday outing i left the gorporium on saturday yeah i got very drunk with one of my good friends carla very nice um, and brendan who i i escorted around as his head in a jar you know put him in my handbag that's nice brought him out at the sushi place gave him some little bits of sushi like feeding a fish <laughs> in like a fish like feeding, bowl exactly like feeding a fish that's nice of you i ate so much sushi i had a lot of whiskey and a lot of red wine we went back home he went to bed and me and her stayed up till 3 a.m just having a boogie to like brit pop mostly (laughs) i mean it was very much like blur and pulp yeah and like also like the dandy warhols and the fratellis and the hoosiers and i know how you feel about that very specific brand of brit pop yeah yeah, like 2005 like yeah (laughs) yeah it's so good though it really fucking is i also spent two hundred dollars on succulents two hundred (laughs) dollars two hundred dollars yeah i got gift cards from two lots of family oh my god how many do you have or do you just get the really expensive succulents you have like one and he's massive (laughs) i wish i wish i just got like one crazy rare one (laughs) i didn't want to go that elaborate though in case i kill it um so at the moment i've got six yeah and i've got 
12 coming in the post. That's a lot. To the Gorporium. So the Gorporium is going to be decked out. Well, yeah. I also bought myself a Venus flytrap. So to get all them nasty poisonous bugs we got loitering around the Gorporium. What's the Venus flytrap called? Because my one, I think, died. Chiquita Banana. She passed away. Oh, no, Chiquita Banana. You got to keep them permanently wet and like mist them and put them in a glass uh, yeah, like, case they're, and like, stuff. They're quite fussy, which is ironic because I know I do have my, um, you know, greenhouse, but I, I wouldn't say I um, have a green thumb. I actually have a rotten thumb that's about to come off at any given point. I'm somewhere in between. It's really hit or miss. Like my main house plants at the moment are thriving and... I've got six succulents that are thriving, but one has died as of yet. (laughs) Actually, two have died as of yet. But to be fair, one of them came to me from just like a floral shop place and it came to me with root rot and I tried to bring it back. That's kind of unfair. Yeah, they hadn't used the right soil or pot or anything from it when it was bought for me for um, my anniversary. Oh, that sucks. Unfortunately, that was Arthur, the one named after my my tragic... And then I tried to propagate the leaves and they all fucking died too. It just was too eaten up with rot. So I'm going to have to rename one of my others like Arthur too because I can't can't have him. I can't have this happen again. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So I've got like a mixture of a green thumb and a rotten thumb. Like most of my plants in the moment are flourishing. They're looking well good. So it's come. I'm coming around. I used to be really rotten though. Well, you know, if they ever need a little break, you can always pop them in the greenhouse. Indeed, with indeed. With my, you know, three-legged toad or, you know, <laughs> whatever uh, else is hanging out in there. Sometimes it changes. You're like Uncle Monty. From, that's the um, dream. You're Uncle Monty from Series of Unfortunate Events. Like, that's the your way whole vibe. I was in love with Uncle Monty when oh, I was a me kid. me too. Me I was too. in love with he that man. He did it for me. I know, and I didn't ever want to admit <laughs> it like i was like this is an old man and i'm about 12 because billy Connolly with his lovely scottish oh, accent so being lovely. like a good dad who yeah. also cares about and he can play poisonous reptiles and plays like his little like loot or yeah whatever. it's a loot like, isn't mm. it and he's just yeah, a, that's... he's the only one who's ever nice to the baudelaire's and then he he's dies. their only good guardian like why am i crying i'm literally tearing up at the thought it's horrible <laughs> i hate it i hate that bit in the movie so much makes me so sad i know i know i I, like can't stand it It actually really hurts my feelings (sighs) it really does hurt my feelings anyway right moving on we need to move on gizmo also had his second birthday the day after mine oh it's terrible twos he's hit the terrible twos and he's in the room at the moment with us aren't you gizmo but he's he's conked out because he's a good boy he's sleepy and i have a couple of recommendations for this week oh so uh house of wax 1953 with vincent oh, price the, oh the og yes indeed. the og and screen king Oh, I love Vincent Me Price. Too. I've seen nearly all of his movies. This was one of the only ones I hadn't seen. Oh, wow. And it did slap. It did slap. I'm not going to lie. The visuals in it, so good. Oh, cool. I need to watch it that was one. one. Of the, 
it was a very early 3D movie too. So it was in fifties, and it was it was in full color and 3D. How so I think it was quite did they adventurous. That and there's this bit where this guy's using like a ping pong, and I'm just like, is this mo- was this movie supposed to be in 3D? Oh <laughs> I looked God, it up. That's I was like, so yes, weird. it was. I didn't even know that was possible. I also recommend The Woman in Black from 1989, which is, yeah, the original Woman in Black movie. I actually also really like the Daniel Radcliffe version. Like, I really like it. It still really fucking scares me. It's a good movie. It's super spooky and the visuals are very cool. Yeah. Um, But the original's very spooky and fun too i really like it's got a, it's a very good ghost story just full stop oh yeah i, mean, I love the, the, the book play i love the play it's amazing it's great uh yeah no the woman in black 1989 though was really funny because for some reason the bbc decided to put it out on christmas so when you look up the oh. reviews it's just a bunch of people who like you know were kids in 1989 <laughs> no. being like this ruined christmas <laughs> This ruined Christmas Why in 1989. Out at Christmas, like we already know. have enough. We have we have a Christmas Carol, which frankly is enough ghosts for Christmas. Yeah, this isn't even a Christmassy movie. No, like it's so strange that they made that decision. Why I just think some that? like executive was like, "This will be hilarious." Like everyone's yeah. just going to be expecting a fun family Christmas movie, and it's just the woman in black. That's horrifying. Like, That's jump cruel. scaring you. <laughs> deeply cruel hilarious and my final recommendation is the haunting from 1963 and it is based off of the same book that the haunting of hill house is based on so it's got all the same characters yeah and they're all in a spooky house except in this one none of them are related they're not a family they're just separate strangers and nell and theo or theodora are lesbian in it (gasps) whoa like i mean not graphically in 1963 yeah yeah like they're like sharing a bed and like cuddling and theodora definitely in it is supposed to be gay and then now goes sort of off with a man sort of chaotically but there is it is an extremely sapphic movie oh cool and i enjoyed it a lot it was really good like spooky black and white haunted house thing and it's just very funny though to me that the haunting came out 10 years after house of wax and because it's in black and white it seems so much older than house of wax yeah no i bet quite strange it makes a big difference yeah um so those are my recommendations anything else to add before we move on to tagline and poster are you ready to shift on i think i'm i think i'm ready to shift on let's move on to the tagline and poster then All right, so let's hear some taglines and then we'll have a look at the poster. All right. I've actually got five taglines for this Ooh. one, which is more than I usually have. Oh, but five. Oh my God. They had like 10 for this movie. There's a lot out there. That's bizarre. But I think it's because it got re-released so many times under like different titles, yeah, different you know? names and shit. Yeah. And I think there's different cuts and stuff. So I think <laughs> they just use like a new tagline every time. That's fun for them. Yeah. And some of them were like hella long and I did not include the ones okay. that were like, like a four paragraph. sentences long. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it like four sentences makes a paragraph or something like that? Yeah. They were paragraphical. <laughs> for sure right so i'll do the main one first which is actually on the poster if this movie doesn't make your skin crawl it's on too tight that's horrible (laughs) 
<laughs> like my skin's on too tight. I think my what skin. What do you mean? My skin's on too tight. <laughs> my skin is, I'd say, the appropriate level of tightness. Who has too tight? In skin? fact, mine might be too loose <laughs> at some points. <laughs> God. I mean, I don't hate this tagline. It is just super creepy, though. Oh, like, no, I'm like, I quite like it. It's Did we do... There was a tagline for Phantasm, so two episodes ago. If this movie doesn't scare you... Then you're already dead, I think. Yeah, it reminds me of that. It rem- yeah, that's what I was immediately thinking, but this one's better. Yeah, this one actually, like, works. Well, mostly because this movie yeah. is actually scary. Sorry, Phantasm. Yeah. But it is the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Okay. This one's really good. Uh, I think it's good anyway. It's it's creepy. Uh, it gets me in the mood for being creeped out. All right. It's beginning to look a lot like bloodshed. <laughs> I don't know. That one makes me laugh, man. That's a bit of fun. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. Of oh, cr- that's a bit of fun. It's a bit of me. That is. There's a lot of Christmas jokes to be made, and like some of the ones that were more paragraphy were very much like silence all through the house not a creature was stirring like and then they like they embed killer into it kind of thing those were like the longer ones so they had a lot of fun with the theme i can't even joke around like right now i'm feeling so christmasy and i'm feeling very christmasy it's not even despite it being it's beginning to look a lot like bloodshed i'm like yeah it fucking is it's baby christmas <laughs> baby baby is i'm fucking it's beginning to look a bit like bloodshed in here <laughs> yeah um i'm gonna start saying that when i feel like i'm pmsing and going oh a bit God, crazy yeah. like it's beginning to look a lot like bloodshed i think Do that's you, good am i talking about my period or am i talking about me going into a homicidal rage because my pms makes me so mad you, you will never know <laughs> who knows you'll never know Let's do the next one. Yep. Christmas is coming early this year, and it's murder. (laughs) Um, It's a bit of fun. It doesn't make any sense, particularly. (laughs) Is Christmas coming early this year? I thought this was like set on (laughs) Christmas. Why is it coming early this year? Like, Like, it isn't coming early this year. It came out on Christmas. That's when Christmas is. That's not early for Christmas. That's Christmas. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Okay, I'm confused. We'll, we'll, we'll skip by that one. It's not my favourite. No. The sort of Christmas you don't dream of. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I don't dream. I mean, I do have horrible <laughs> dreams, but... Um, actually, actually, to be honest... This does seem like a dream I would have. But, yeah, um, the I nightmares do, that I have. I do like that it plays on the black Christmas, white Christmas thing. Like, I'm yeah. dreaming of a white Christmas, but obviously you don't want to dream about a black Christmas because... Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's got supposed to do with the colour, and which is what brings us to our last tagline, which is my personal favourite. Mm. Okay. A Christmas of another colour brings a killer on the loose. Oh, I actually like that one. I like the phrase, a Christmas of another colour. I, I think it's kind of cool. Like I don't I'm know, I like, like it. Ooh. Ooh. It feels a little bit poetic. <laughs> okay. I don't know, I kind of yeah. like it. 
That's what I think. It sounds yeah, it sounds like a line in a poem. No, I like <laughs> that one. A Christmas of another color. I do I like just that. I like that. No, I agree with yeah. you. I think that's my favorite one. Even though like I wouldn't say it's particularly like scary, but I just like the way it sounds. Like it's got a nice rhythm a ring to, to it. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I I enjoy I kind of enjoy them all, but Yeah, I mean um, none of them are terrible to be honest. So just some of them are funny. Yeah, they're pretty tight taglines, I think. I think it's pretty good. All right, let's have a look at this poster. Okay, I want to hear your opinions first, okay. as you are the artiste the in artiste. this family. The artiste. Right, so I will give a sort of visual rundown in case you're not looking at the poster, in case you got your eyes plucked out by crows. I don't know. I just, you know. <laughs> you never know in the help you out a little bit. No, well, exactly. Um, okay, so it's a... Oh, it's kind of hard to describe, actually. It's like a black background. I almost don't want to describe it too much before we get into the synopsis. So the centerpiece, Bella, don't okay. over-describe. Okay, okay. It's like a black background with like a wreath of holly. And then there's something in the middle. There's I'm going to keep a secret. And then there's a horribly rendered like ribbon that says, and it has says Black Christmas over it. I hate the ribbon, I'm just putting that out there. And then what I really <laughs> like about this poster that I've never seen on any other poster is that at the bottom, there's a white strip and it has like, it's almost like an illustration and it's very like beautifully done. It almost looks like an Ed, is it Edward Gorey? Yeah, it does um, remind me of a little Edward Gorey like strip, you know, like, you know, it's like flip like book the kind of thing. Like the and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's got the house that's, you know, the main, like the main setting of the film, the big Christmas tree, a little cop car and two little policemen running. And it's just like, I don't know why, I just think that's really cool. I've not seen that I before like in a that poster. Too. I think it's really cute and really interesting. Um, I'd say that's actually my favourite part of the poster is the little... Um, illustration at the bottom. And also at the centre of the holly reef. Did you say this? I I tried to keep it like secret because I didn't want to reveal it too much. Yeah, there's somebody sitting in a chair and it plays into the first murder in the movie. Yeah. So we'll get into that later. But yeah. okay, so do you, do you like this poster like all up? No. <laughs> no, I don't either. I don't think it's that. It doesn't, I know, it doesn't work together all that it well for me. It looks sort of like badly done, like, because you know where the holly wreath is? Yeah, it just kind of ends. Like, this half straight cut off line. And then, yeah, the badly rendered ribbon yeah with with the font and then the different font for everything else and then the little like strip down the bottom yeah, of the little cartoon like there's thing there's a lot happening it's and none of it very disjointed no i don't i don't like the whole thing but i do really like the little bit at the bottom i think that's really like cute in a kind yeah, of a creepy I, manner you know what i mean i only ever remember this poster because of the center bit because it's quite horrifying really it, but, um, i mean it is really creepy to look at um i think it's very nicely rendered i just wish that i don't know i just wish they'd put it yeah. all together a little nicer it's just yeah, not it's, I don't not, know, it's great. not my favorite it's not great no unfortunately i would have to agree with you great taglines meh on the poster front yeah it's always one or the other with us. We're always like amazing poster hate shit the taglines tag yeah or it's like oh this tagline slaps the poster I could do with never looking with at never again. looking at ever again <laughs> can be gone <laughs> from my memory. The thing is, I've never even seen an alternate poster for this. Really, no, like, I don't think there is one. I haven't seen one at least. This is it. This, this is, is what, what you, get. you get. I just think it's really <sighs> weirdly edited together. I don't know. Very mm. strange. 
It's very strangely put together. Right. Shall we get into the meat of it? I think we might as well. Let's do it. Hello? Remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood? Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. So, let's get into the meat of it. Meat time. Meat go time. to the butchers. I don't know who that was. <laughs> go to the butchers. We're going go to, to the, the butchers. <laughs> terrifying. Is that like, uh, is that Arnie? Am I doing Arnie? <laughs> going to the... Nope. No. You know what? I've lost it. Move on. Move on. That's fine. All right. Black Christmas is a Canadian slasher that was released in 1974. It was directed by Bob Clark, who also did Porky's, A Christmas Story, Rhinestone, and a bunch of other like strange B-movies in the 90s. The screenplay was written by Roy Moore, who honestly didn't really do a lot more after this. I do feel like he may have been blacklisted because of this movie. It was made for $620,000 and had a fairly limited release and was and received mixed slash negative reviews from contemporary critics at the time, only being reappraised as an important classic by film historians going more into the 21st century. So before we begin, I'm going to give you a little bit of a character breakdown. I'll be doing this every episode from now on where I list the main cast and who they play. So... We've got Olivia Hussey as Jess, who is our protagonist. She is British. She's strong, ambitious, sort of a leader type. We've got Margot Kidder as Barb, who is the sexy party girl, loves a drink. She's sort of loud, brash, fashionable, funny. She's that sort of character. We've got Andrea Martin as Phil, who's the artsy one, really sweet, loves her friend. She's got big hair is a good friend, very caring. We've got Lynn Griffin as Claire, who's quiet, innocent, although not innocent, maybe proving from her room that we see a little bit later in the film, but uh, comes across quite uptight compared to the other girls. We've got Kier Dulay as Peter, who is Jess's older boyfriend. He's creepy, intense, an artiste kind of character got Arthur Hindle as Chris, who's Claire's boyfriend, who's a nice lad, good boyfriend, not a horrible sexist, loves a fur coat. Got Marion Waldman as Mrs. Mack, who is the house mother. She's alcoholic, fun, loves the girls, pretty feminist. She's pretty cool. Got John Saxton as Lieutenant Fuller, who's charismatic, intelligent. He's a very efficient detective type character. And then we've got Douglas McGrath as Sergeant Nash, who is the idiot bumbling cop figure. Now, before we continue, this movie is pretty disturbing compared to, I think, a lot of movies that we go through. While no rape actually occurs, the killer is sexually motivated. This movie also features an abusive relationship and some discussions of pregnancy and abortion. So proceed with caution if any of the above trigger or affect you. All right. 
Let's begin. All right. We begin with a heavy breathing POV shot of someone trying to break into a sorority house that is having a very drunken Christmas party. Said POV creep tries to get in through the front door, but is shut out and is ultimately forced to climb the trellis into the attic to get in. We then meet our host of girls, Jess, and her extremely jarring British accent. When she first speaks, I'm like, hello? What what (laughs) accent is this? I forgot what received pronunciation (laughs) sounds like. Oh my god, that's so intense. Our British accents. Our... And we've got Barb and her choker and whiskey, Phil and her big hair and glasses, and Claire and her brown hair. (laughs) She's sort of a a little bit... (laughs) background compared to the other girls sorry claire also can i just make a note about our british accents people keep telling me that i sound like i'm welsh Mm -hmm. no you sound more like northern to me northern yeah that's what i'm from the midlands bro we're near wales i know i know but you sound more northern to me than you do welsh i think Eh, interesting okay never mind continue um the respective boyfriends are there at the party too The night comes to a close, leaving just the four girls, and they receive an extremely disturbing phone call from someone that they've dubbed the Mona. I'm talking full-on pig-squealing screams, discussions of fat, juicy cocks, and piggy pussies, pretty pink pussy... Oh, pretty pink cunts even oh yeah lots of use of the word cunt in this movie like this phone call he says cunt about 15 times so many times pretty jarring for like a 70s movie especially oh yeah to just straight off the bat the first like round of dialogue is this phone call where the guy's just going and i want to lick your cunt i want to lick your pussy <laughs> cunt and stuff and i'm like yeah oh, and you're like whoa okay. oh jesus christ God damn it's bad it is it's very unsettling and it almost sounds as if there's multiple voices on the other end bob cusses the guy out and tells him to stick his tongue in a wall socket and he also has the fastest tongue in the west referring to how (laughs) to how he sounds as if he's got multiple voices like he's speaking very quickly and almost overlapping himself he then says he's going to kill her and hangs up which it suddenly takes a very dark serious tone Barb and Claire get into a disagreement over this, saying Barb shouldn't provoke him, and Claire storms off. Ah! All right, and that sounds like a kill alert. So this sound Ah! means that there has been a kill in the movie. So this is kill number one, kill alert time. Claire, upon retiring to her bedroom, hears someone crinkling around in her closet with all the plastic that's keeping her uh, nice clothes sealed up from moths and the like. She goes to investigate and is attacked by someone and suffocated with the plastic wrap. She suffocates to death off screen. The other girls don't hear this as the house mother, Mrs. Mack, has arrived with presents. We then get a final shot of Claire dead, plastic inhaled into her mouth and a permanent scream, being rocked by someone unseen in a rocking chair. He's also muttering this sort of horrible nursing rhyme about wrapping a baby in rabbit skin. Yeah, it's skin gross. of some description. I think I wrote down what he said. Hang on. Oh no, that must be later. There's a different There's a different rhyme at a yeah. different point. There's a lot of rhymes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the phone rings again after Claire has been untimely murdered. That's not a phrase, but that's fine. Yeah, she gets murdered very quickly. Claire yeah. is... Claire's She's death sets the tone. She's finished. Um, okay, so the <laughs> phone rings again, and it's for Jess. 
and it's her older pianist boyfriend, Peter, and she says she has something to tell him, but she'll tell him tomorrow, and then we do cut to tomorrow, so everything's fine until tomorrow, and she tells Peter that she's pregnant and wants to have an abortion. However, he vehemently disagrees and wants her to keep the baby, which you know, is causing some some issues. He's he's getting a little yeah, creepy. The, their relationship is not. It's rocky, that tight. man. It's rocky. Meanwhile, a man is seen loitering by a cathedral and gets his glasses knocked off by some little twat with a snowball. <laughs> and then a frat boy helps him and he explains to the frat boy that he's Claire's father and he she's failed to meet him to go home for the holidays. The frat boy points him in the direction of the sorority that Claire is part of. And there's also a brief scene of Barb giving a child champagne while hosting a kid's Christmas party. And she says, <laughs> I think the little bug is schnoggered, son of a bitch. And he's like an eight-year-old. Yeah, so these sorority girls are like up to some nonsense, basically. Oh, really man, she's badly behaved. Claire's dad then arrives at the sorority to find that no one else knows where Claire is and is very judgmental about how overly sexual and like liberal the girls are. And Mrs. Mack gives an iconic quote that says, these broads would fuck the leaning tower of Pisa if they could get up there. <laughs> Mrs. Mack. Hell just yeah, drinking Mrs. her Mack. whiskey that she's hidden in a toilet. Yeah, she, hits, she hides whiskey everywhere. Like she has one in a secret <laughs> book. In the Bible, the Bible. That she's cut <laughs> yeah. out like she's cut out pages so she could hide a little bottle of like whiskey in there. Yeah, and she says B for booze. B for booze, yeah. And then she hides one in the toilet as well. I'm like, why don't you just have a flask? Right? A <laughs> I don't flask, know why she's so babe. secretive. It's cool, don't worry. Speaking of Barb, they all traipse to the police station the next day to report Claire missing. And Barb is very drunk during it and whines Sergeant Nash up with fellatio jokes. Like she tells him that their phone extension is fellatio and he doesn't know what that is. As she literally says, fellatio like 28080 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And he's like, how do you spell that? And she's like, <laughs> F-E-little-L- I-T-I-O. And he's like, oh, that's funny. But he doesn't even realize what it is. It leads to him getting very clowned by his uh, colleagues. clowned on. Anyway, Nash, irritated, says that Claire is probably just with a boyfriend in a cabin somewhere. Um, So then two things happen to Jess. She gets another obscene call, this time referring to himself as Billy, which I will refer to the Mona as Billy from now on, and mentioning a baby named Agnes. And then she goes to track down Claire's boyfriend, Chris, who also hasn't seen her since the party the previous day. And yeah, Claire's not in her room or anything at this point. Meanwhile, down at the station, a woman is crying to Lieutenant Fuller about her missing 13-year-old daughter who went missing walking home from uh, music practice, I believe, in the park. Chris then barges in wearing the world's largest fur coat <laughs> and cusses Nash out, calling him an idiot and all this kind of stuff for not taking them seriously about Claire because she's not shacked up with Chris. 
Fuller, on the other hand, considering that there's another missing girl, takes them very seriously and takes them into his office and organizes a search for the missing girl who was last seen in the park. During all of this, Claire's father is staying at the sorority and Barb is sort of terrorizing him by looking at Playboy and telling him how some types of turtles can screw for three days straight. Like she's wasted. She's like, and I'm lucky if I get three minutes. And then it's talking about how she goes down to the zoo and watches all watch the animals. The Fuck. fuck and the zebras she's wearing a very gorgeous dress at this point oh my God, she the looks dress. extremely I'm glamorous i'm obsessed with that like dress. she is beautiful and it's so funny because she's so beautiful and so foul oh my god i love her <laughs> but um the dress to describe it it's like a black floor like like gown like cotton gown and it's got flared sleeve like you know, bell sleeves. It's like a smock dress. Yeah, and it's got little red roses embroidered on the top of like the neckline and like the sleeves, and it's just so beautiful. Yeah. It's so 70s. I'm obsessed with it. I want to see if I can find it or like make it. Yeah, me too. And on a less lovely note, <laughs> there's the sound again, and we're on to kill two. The following day, whilst everyone is out looking for the missing girl, Mrs. Mack is home alone and looking for her cat. She hears meowing coming from the attic, so she decides to venture up there. Mrs. Mack pokes her head up into the attic and spots Claire's dead body by the window in the rocking chair. Which is a really fucked up running theme is that Claire's head, all wrapped up in plastic, is actually visible from the sorority attic window outside. But nobody looks up there. So she's very, very clearly dead. So Mrs. Mack is freaking out. She then hears a rustling from behind her and turns to see a sharp hook attached to like a ceiling winch. The killer then throws the hook, which embeds itself in her throat and is then pulled up into the attic. It's all off screen. But as we swap back to Billy's POV, where he begins to having a massive screaming fit, um, we catch sight of the corpses of Claire and Mrs. Mack. And you can see that the hook is very much embedded in her throat which is a very unfortunate slightly implausible end (laughs) it's yeah it's not great Ah! Uh uh-oh the sound again i can't believe it another (laughs) one we go again oh fuck so back at the search for the 13 year old girl yes kill number three already back at the search for the 13 year old girl who's gone missing it unfortunately culminates in them finding her deceased in the park. We do not get to see the body or any of the details of how she was killed or how she looks, but from the reactions of the crowd and like the search team, we can assume that it's very bad. Very disturbing. So, technically, this girl is probably our first kill. Like she actually died probably before Claire, but technically she's number yeah, three. Yeah, chronologically. For yes. Yeah, that's yeah, I agree. Okay, so Jess returns home from the search after feeling too cold and to meet Peter for their chat, again, about her situation. And back at the sorority house, the phone rings once more. Another obscene call for mentioning filthy, stupid Billy and poor baby Agnes once again. As Jess hangs up and proceeds to call the police about the call, we are once again in someone's POV sneaking down the stairs behind her, which is... It's looking bad for her. It's not looking good at all. Yeah. Fortunately, it's only Peter. And why he was in the house... Yeah, that's super shady that he was just in the house on his own. Yeah, I don't know what he was doing there. We 
find out from a later quote from the girls that the back door in the kitchen was the only locked door or window in the whole house so i guess he just got in but that's creepy of him like not even the front door was locked literally just the back kitchen door he could have just walked in which he did i assume peter reveals that he tanked his piano recital at the place that he does pianoing and has quit the conservatory there we go that's the word i was looking for pianoing (laughs) he's pianoing he's quit the conservatory where he usually does his piano recitals he tells Jess then that he wants to marry her and have the baby with her. And she's like, no, I don't want to do that shit. Like, I'm in university. I want to do my own thing. And I don't want to marry you, Peter. And he gets pissed off. Not even in like a sort of sad, like heartbroken way. He just gets angry, which is always a bad yeah, sign. creepy about it. Yeah. And he says to her if you try getting an abortion you're going to be very sorry which is very bad very yeah. bad thing to say way to be pro-life yeah that i was about to say a very pro-life of you peter to threaten to kill your girlfriend <laughs> yeah very pro-life of you good job so fuck him basically um as he storms out of the house angry and heartbroken he bumps into lieutenant fuller who is immediately like who the fuck was that guy that seemed suspicious yeah his face is like huh. he's like you <laughs> what who's the fuck was that motherfucker running out the house yeah i've got to say I love that Jess was basically like marriage and babies just don't fit into my plans for my life because I'm so like ambitious and there's so much I want to do with my life. I think that's really cool for the 70s. Like just as an aside, like that her whole thing is just, I don't want to, nope, no thanks. You're not going to change my mind. You're not going to change my mind at all. It was quite an important um, film because I think this was just after Roe vs. Wade had been Indeed it was, the year after. Is it? That had been overturned. Turned, yes, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, it's really cool. And I just, I like that she doesn't get coerced into changing her mind and nobody yeah. else in the movie tries to change her mind except for Peter. No, and it's not a like a moral asshole. thing for her. It's not like a, some sort of moral tale oh, she's about... She's not even, she's not even divided about it. She's no, like... she's just like, no, I know nope. what I want to do. I don't want to have, have an abortion. Baby. The cool. end. I respect the hell good out of that. Good for her. Yeah. yeah. No, very, very good for the 70s movie. Very interesting. Yes. Going back a little bit earlier, Jess reported her last obscene phone call to Nash and Lieutenant Fuller actually overheard this and puts two and two together. So there's a dead girl, there's a missing girl at the same house that's getting harassed by a verbally violent caller. So that's like three things that are all bad, seemingly linked. So he rocks up and he bumps into Peter on his way out, very suspicious of him, doesn't like Peter at all, and he puts a tap on the phone in order to trace where the calls are coming from. The cops leave and we can see from the disturbing POV shots that Billy is still in the house. As Jess sits by the fire whilst Phil and Barb are in bed, like unwinding, Barb because she was so drunk all day, (laughs) Billy sneaks down from the attic and into the house and then into Barb's room. We hear Barb screaming from downstairs and Jess runs to her only to find her having an asthma attack and freaking out over having a nightmare. Jess is then beckoned to the front door by a bunch of choir, uh, a bunch of children singing choir, uh, choir of children. I don't know how to phrase this. Chris, they're doing, Lily, they're doing Christmas carols. Carols, that's the word, caroling. They're caroling. I mean, they are, you could say they are, <laughs> are a, a choir. choir of children. They are a choir, but they're caroling is the verb. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so Jess is uh, summoned back downstairs because a bunch of children are doing 
caroling, uh, which lovely. is lovely. And she sort of watches them having a nice time. Uh oh. <laughs> it's bad news. It's bad news for somebody else who's in the house. Kill Uh-oh. number four time. Billy reemerges from where he was hiding in the house and re-enters Barb's room. He begins to mutter about Agnes once more, and as he does so, he picks up one of Barb's decorative glass unicorns, holds it over her, horn down as she sleeps, muttering louder until she wakes. He then proceeds to stab her to death with the horn, bloody and on screen. We catch sight of him in the light, and I must say he looks suspiciously like Peter. Ah, sacre bleu. Yeah. The creepy uh, carolers continue to sing, very blank-faced. These kids, like, unnerve me. They are creepy, aren't they? As Barb gasps and struggles and eventually succumbs to her wounds. Jess obviously hears nothing because of the loud singing. These kids are fucking loud. (laughs) All right, so the carolers, I suppose, wander off to continue caroling elsewhere. Oh, wait, now I tell you what it is. Some woman comes up and she's like, get the kids away, get them in the car or something like that. Yeah, she's heard that a girl has died in the park, so the kids have to go. Yeah, she's like, go away, kids, we need to be safe. Okay, fine. Um, Back in the house, Jess gets three more calls. One call is from Billy, who says, amongst other disturbing things... The phrase, just like having a wart removed. Jess gasps at it, recognising it from when Peter threatened her regarding the abortion earlier, because, you know, he was saying that she's being insensitive and stuff. Yes. Unfortunately, the call ends way too quickly for the police to be able to trace it. She doesn't tell the police, but she thinks the caller might be Peter and relays her fears to Phil. The second call is actually Peter, who cries and asks for help. Lieutenant Fuller decides to trace this one too, being suspicious of Peter, but it is also too short. He then calls Jess to inquire about the phone call he just essentially listened into, and she tells him that Peter's an artist and he's very high-strung. Yeah, you don't fucking say he's also an asshole. Mm-hmm. She then has a realisation that the Mona could not have been Peter, as he was in the house earlier when she got one of the awful calls. So... She's very relieved that her boyfriend not Peter. Peter is not him. It's not him doing the calls. I'd be relieved about that too. I would, say. but he is also he is also creepily calling her and being like, "Please don't kill her." Yeah, baby. he's sobbing. Like it's still I creepy. I love that Lieutenant Fuller put a trace on Peter's call too. He's like, he's a good detective. Yeah, he's like, this dude's up to no. Yeah, good. Yeah, he knows. He's like, this guy's <laughs> doing something fucking bad. Like. He has his suspicions, and I respect that. Despite the fact that Peter has, like, an alibi, I guess, because he was there during one of the calls, Lieutenant Fuller requests a full background check on Peter. During this time, Phil leaves Jess to go and check on Barb, who they assume is still asleep. Then the third call occurs, once again from Billy, who calls her a bitch pig. The voice is seeming even more extreme and overlapping and frequently changing than before. It's a bit demonic. It's very <laughs> demonic. Like, you know, the voice changes so rapidly in pitch and, like, it's just crazy. Little, little tiny beep, baby voices like, I'm Billy, I'm Billy, Billy, I'm Billy. And then, like, a big deep man voice. Ugh. God. Strange your throat doing it. I did. I really did. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This time the call is, she manages to keep the call on for long enough for the police to trace it and it 
they discover it's coming from inside the house. Uh-oh. Dun-dun-dun. Um, this whole time, whilst they've been reporting this, they, the police sent, like, another, I don't know, sergeant to sort of guard the house. Yes. That was patrol, like, sort of just looking after the sorority, just checking if anyone was going in and out. However, Lieutenant Fuller, now knowing that the call is coming from inside the house, tries to get a hold of this cop, can't manage to reach him, and then calls Nash, Sergeant Nash, instead to tell him to alert Jess. And is like, be fucking careful. Don't tell her why you need her to get out of the house. Just <laughs> tell her to leave the house and don't ask any questions. Nash calls Jess, tells her to leave the house immediately. She's like, what about Phil and Bob? And he's like, just leave the house. The call's coming from inside the house. Like, he blows his fucking, like, calm, cool, collected cover. Like an idiot. Mm-hmm. But not wanting to leave her friends, Phil and Bob, she arms herself with a fire poker and goes to retrieve them when they don't come after. She screams for them. Like, screeches. Yep. And they do not answer. I, at that point, would be like, okay, I'm leaving the house. Yeah, if they couldn't hear that, because she really hollers. Yeah, she it's, hollers I mean, it's amazing. It's like such a disturbing, guttural scream, scream. and they do not fucking hear her. <laughs> Uh-oh, kill number five. Phil enters Barb's room, screams, and the door shuts behind her. No, we don't see Phil die no. on screen. Jess then enters the same bedroom, only to find the two girls bloodied with their eyes open, entwined on the bed, and very, very dead. The killer on the other side then pulls the door almost shut and stares at Jess with a red demonic looking eye through the little peephole, like the little gap in yeah. the door. Creepy. He doesn't look uh, superhuman, I've got to say. Not superhuman, no, but he doesn't look... He doesn't um, look extremely human. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, eye is, the eye is weird. And poor Phil. Poor Phil doesn't even get to have a proper she death. She doesn't even... It's so sad. Just kind of gets bodied off screen. No, it's horrible. Jess then runs to the basement and locks the door behind her, Billy hot on her tail. As she's hiding in the basement, we can see that Peter is skulking around the outside and calls to her through the frosty window eventually breaking it and climbing down inside the basement she's hiding but he quickly finds her and tries to calm her down at the same time lieutenant fuller and the backup arrive at the house and find the dead patrol cop who is technically actually kill number six so dead patrol cop number six number six we forgot about him in the list sorry man (laughs) <laughs> sorry man it's yeah it's fine it's very like minor death to be honest yeah it's mostly just to make sense for like how yeah but he is number six fuller ends up there yeah so I, i'm adjusting the rest uh, okay accordingly and um, we hear jess screaming from the basement and they quickly make their way down there with their guns out to find jess and peter <laughs> and we come to our final kill alert kill number seven who do you think has died who is it? Jess has stabbed Peter to death with the poker, believing him to be Billy. He lies dead in her lap with his eyes wide open. She too appears initially dead, but is actually alive and just sort of in bad shape or in shock because of the off-screen scuffle, we can assume, happened for her to end up stabbing him to death. Yeah. So obviously they everyone thinks that they've come to the conclusion that Peter is 
the murderer. They've caught him. It's all good. Everyone watches over Jess, injured and in bed in the sorority house, which seems weird. They probably should have taken her to hospital. But, you know. Maybe. Who am I to judge? I think everyone's just very busy. Yeah, I guess so. Um, But some other things, like regarding moving the bodies and press in the streets and just like all this other fucking shit begin to kick off and all of the different people, like EMTs, police, whatever, they all leave Jess alone in the bed. And unfortunately, we get another POV shot. Billy is still in the attic. It is not Peter, and it hasn't been Peter the whole time. Uh-oh. The demonic noises scream and gurgle in the most guttural, horrible way. And we also realise that still no one has found Claire or Mrs. Mac's bodies. Yeah, because Chris says, Oh, don't worry to like Claire's dad. Oh, don't worry, they'll find her. <laughs> Yeah, they mm. will, but she's in the attic. She's, yeah, it's too late for her, my guy. As we zoom out of the house, like sort of aerial perspective, the phone rings once more and it rings 13 times and there's no one there to pick it up. Jess's fate is ultimately left up to the viewer to decide. The, the end. end! The end! Did it. And there's a little side note that I want to say that you could count this as kill eight, yeah. depending on your perspective. So a popular theory is that the phone rings after every kill. So the first call in the movie is presumably after the girl is killed in the park, and after that the calls happen every time Billy kills somebody, even if it's not like immediately, it's like kill, call, kill, call kind of thing. Yeah. Um, as the phone rings at the very end of the movie and there was only one person left in the house, a lot of people lean to think that Jess died rather than she survived. I mean, this is only a theory, it's not confirmed, but it is a popular theory yeah. uh, regarding the ending, and I kind of believe it. I want to believe I it's not know. true, but... Um, I, like Obviously, I'd love for her to have survived, but I think it is so deeply disturbing that even after everything... And they think they've caught the guy. They think it's Peter, and Billy's just still fucking there. And she he and just, he just scrambles out of the attic, and it's like horrible. Like I think that's very yeah. disturbing. If like after all this time, she just still fucking dies. And it is a very disturbing movie. So yeah. All right. Well, shall we get into our thoughts? Yes, I think we should. So, let's get into the good, the bad, and the gory. Let's start with the good, then. Let's go. So, I think that the characters are really well written. Like, there's great character development, as subtle as it may be. We also just know so much about them from sort of subtextual occurrences. For example, like, Barb being asthmatic, having a weird relationship with her wealthy mother... And, you know, they're just very fleshed out. Like, I feel like I know these girls. And I think for 70s movies, that's not necessarily something that I'm used to. Like, No, I have to agree with you. really depthy, self-realized characters who are all very different from one another. I always, like, I struggle with um, some 70s movies of getting, like, characters confused. Yeah. Because they all just kind of blend together to me. Yeah, they act the same. I completely agree with you. The jocks and then the girl group and blah, 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 blah. These are a bit more, uh, they're very well defined. And I think that helps as well because, um, like, it helps the movie feel more scary because you actually, like, care about the characters and you care about how things are going to yes. play out for them and so you're really yeah, yeah. really like devastated when anyone dies you're like oh fuck no, man, no. I love them. Yeah. yeah 
I especially love Barb and Jess. Yeah. And I just feel like they themselves, the characters, are very progressively feminist for the time. But I also think that the movie's very progressive for the time. Like, again, as we said earlier, abortion have very recently been legalized and sort of women's right to choose and also having sex and being independent all plays a very large part in this. And also without being heavy handed, like that's something that the 2019 remake really struggled with was being so heavy handed yeah. in its feminist approach that I was a little bit turned off by it. I was like, yeah. Ugh, okay, we get it. Like there's a scene, I know you haven't seen the 2019 mm. version, but there's sort of this opening scene where this girl's getting ready in her like sorority room and her other friend comes in and I was like, oh, I'm on my period. Can I have a tampon? And she throws her a tampon and she shoves it into herself in front of her. <gasps> what? And I was just like, no um, woman does that. No. Like, no. Okay, it's fine to talk about periods. Like, I don't care. Like, it's fine. I, you know, I enjoy talking to other women or, you know, people who experience having periods about, you yes. know, you know, how it is to have it. Like, it's a funny experience. Yeah, you yeah. can make jokes about it or whatever. But I but never in my weird. life would be like, oh, can I have a tampon? Thank you. I'm going to put it up me right now. Like, no. Yeah, it's a little too hard leaning into the whole woke thing to the point that it's cringe. Yeah, Rather which is than a shame. being sort of a good societal commentary yeah. or anything. Like, I think there's nuance to wokeness without just sort of reciting, you know, uh, buzzwords. Yes, and I think that's, yeah, that I imagine is the big problem with the 2019 one. Unfortunately, it is. It's where it really suffers. It suffers in a couple of ways. Yeah. It's not as bad to me as the 2006 remake, which I watched last night. I must say there's some really fun aspects. It's fun need to kind of make fun of, and there's yeah. some great kills in it. But it's but not like it's a deep, like, genuine good <laughs> no it's not like this where it like i don't know stirs some kind of emotion and stuff in me yeah. i it, it didn't make me feel anything i didn't come away from it being like this is a fantastic film no. i just was sort of like uh, uh using cookie cutter as, as word, weapon. murder weapon <laughs> fun funny, like funny it was christmas very much joke it's just a yeah, christmas joke was... <laughs> so both of the remakes struggle in their own ways but the heavy-handed feminism in the 2019 one clearly trying to replicate the feminism in the 1974 one for like a modern it, audience it goes... yeah yeah exactly trying to step it up for a modern audience but and so they, they go into date rape rather than abortion rights. Yeah. And it's, it's just too heavy handed. Yeah. I well, don't know. That's fair I, enough. There's, there's some really like kind of gross shit to it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. No, I won't I get, get too much into the remakes, but this one did it so right. And all the characters are done so perfectly. Yeah. Like I couldn't it's name a character from the remakes, but all the four girls in this are so like, I don't know, wonderful to yeah, me. Even if Claire out. is not in it for more than like yeah. 20 <laughs> seconds essentially um i want to just build on that point a little bit as well that even there's good characterization even for like claire's dad and the cops as well like um yes. yeah lieutenant Agreed. fuller and like sergeant nash don't get on and that's very obvious in the way that like you know sergeant nash is just kind of a bumbling idiot like he's a fucking pc plod kind of a dude yes um and lieutenant fuller is clearly very intelligent they he always makes fun of sergeant nash with his like yeah his buddy yeah lieutenant fuller's very like cutting quick yeah. to laugh like i don't know there's... like you know they didn't need to put in that scene about them making fun of sergeant nash for not knowing what fellatio is yeah and but it's a really did. long scene too and it's fucking I love hilarious it. it was making it's me crack so funny. up 
They're just teasing yeah. the shit out of him, the, and it's so funny. Just the one cop in the background, just like proper wheeze, yeah, laughing. pissing himself. <laughs> no, I it's think good. the characterization and all Mrs. Mack is, so is good. even yeah. well written, and the, and Claire's dad is well written. I don't know, like everybody gets their sort of slice, yeah, of no, the it's, pie, it's great. Essentially, I think that's it's a really good point of this movie is the characterization. Absolutely. I'm going to move on to my next point, which is one of my other favorite things, is that it has a genuinely frightening, disturbing killer. Yes. Like, he is, Billy, is so deeply unsettling and unsavory and foul to me that he he really freaks me out. And I think he's a lot of women's fears kind of put into a creature, this this sexually motivated perverted yeah predatory thing yeah. i don't know and he's just he's so good he's such a good killer because yeah. we never see him we never see we him, never get see him over-explained. we don't know about billy and agnes and all this kind of stuff we we know nothing about him except that he is a pervert who likes to kill and can apparently i mean he could be you could theorize that maybe he's possessed or is a yeah, ghost or a demon the, or something the overlapping the, the phone voices, calls yeah where he's you know little voice with the big voice kind of booming over it yeah at the same time you could come up with whatever you want to yeah but that's that's the that's thing is fun. he's supposed to be unknown so that you can place your own fears onto on, him yeah so then and he's that's scarier. fun and good because you can imagine him being whatever you want maybe you're more scared yes. of ghosts maybe he's a ghost to yeah. you Maybe he exactly like for me because I'm scared of men in general. For me, he's a creepy pervert man who likes to kill women in a sexually charged manner, and that is deeply disturbing to me. Yep, I love that the director, when asked about Billy and Agnes, was just like, "I have my own personal theories and ideas. I'm not going to tell you though." Yeah, well, that's fine. <laughs> like, I think that's what good art is. You know, is he, his when whole you're allowed point to interpret was that it. you were supposed to yeah, you're supposed to project onto Billy. Yeah. So what scares you, that's Billy then. It gives yeah. you kind of a, a terrifying but fairly blank canvas mm. to uh work with. Yeah. There's no hints even to who Agnes is. No, no, we just have no idea. Other there's than no... she's a baby potentially, yeah. but and then also like he some refers motif. to adults as Agnes as well. Because yeah. he's like like when he refers to Jess as Agnes at one point, and then he oh, also yeah. talks about baby Agnes. So who knows, you know? There's a slight motif of babies in the, obviously in the abortion topic. And also yes. um, when he kills Claire, he places a baby doll in her arms in the rocking chair. Yes, yes. Um, so there's definitely some sort of mothering-like uh, sort of motif under, like... Absolutely. You know, under everything, which is quite interesting, quite disturbing. maybe that was even put in almost as a red herring to make you assume it was Peter because he's, yes, so he's so obsessed, obsessed with, with Jess's pregnancy. Yeah, that's very true. So that's interesting, nuanced, cool, very good. Yeah, and also the thing is, like, there's two villains because Peter, despite not being Billy, is still a villain. And it's arguable that Peter could have even been the person to kill the girl in the park. Hmm. Like, we don't know for sure. Like, obviously, the assumption there is that it's Billy, but there's also, like, the thing that Peter could be up to literally very bad things, too. And yeah, yeah, there's, well, there's you know. place in this movie for more evil than just one man. Than just one dude, yeah. No, you're completely right. And I think that's why it's so 
you know, so effective because the whole time you kind of think, oh, it could be Peter, but like, is it? You know, you just don't really know. And I think it it's it's very effective at doing that kind of double, bl- not double bluff, but a bluff like that. Yeah. Um, I also will say that the phone calls, like, you know, the, you know, um, mysterious caller, which is quite a common theme in a lot of horror movies, common trope. I think these are the scariest of any unknown caller. That first one where he's saying, you know, piggy cunt and all this kind of stuff is so jarring and Mm -hmm. upsetting. And it goes on for so long that I'm like, I want this to be over. Yeah, it's it's really, really disturbing to listen to. really disturbing. Very, very upsetting. I really think that it did the whole... Well, it's based on the sort of the babysitter looking after the children, the call coming inside the from inside the house, urban legend. That's what yeah. this is sort of based around. Yeah. And it does it the best out of any movie I've seen that uses that trope. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. So I also think Jess is a final girl. I kind of like Barb is my favorite character, so I kind of wanted her to be the final girl, but I knew she wasn't really. No. But it's like we talked about last week with Trey from um, Happy Death Day. She's a very unconventional final girl in the fact that she's not a wallflower virgin. She's pretty confident, outgoing, leadery, but she's also definitely not a virgin as she's, you know, pregnant. Yeah. But she's also not like a real melt about that either. No, no, she's no. just very much like, I want to get my education. I don't want a baby. I don't want to get married. Yeah. She's she's a tough cookie, she's feminist, she's sexual, um, but not sexualized. No, no, she's never sexualized, which is, you know, very different to yes. other 70s horror movies. There's no boobs in this movie. Yeah, I've got to say, saying. this movie does not have a male gaze, Eva. No, it really all. does not. I was actually very surprised that men were behind it, and I wouldn't be surprised because it was the 70s if there was secretly a woman who was like <laughs> supervising this yeah, movie. Some, Do you know what I mean? In some respect. Because that happened a lot. Like women would write, like ghost write almost, yes. and then not get credited because they weren't like, you know, deemed, you know, a good yeah, enough yeah. name to get people in or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I just only feel that, not because I feel like men can't write women because I've seen great oh examples God, yeah, of, of this, but it is just so female to me that like the, the perspective is so womanly, like yeah. something that's come from my own brain about women kind yeah, of thing. Absolutely. They're just so, they're written right and it's, yeah, they're sexual, but they're not sexualized. It's not male gazy. And I do think it's really interesting that the innocent virgin dies first. Yeah complete reversal of the role even today like it still that still completely happens where it's like oh the innocent virgin girl is always a final girl even today like with brand new movies this is a very early slasher too so i wonder one that sort of changed around to being like sluts must die yeah when Uh, it becomes a morality (laughs) tale when this is not live this is not a morality tale and i think that's why it's scary is that these girls do everything right you know they call the police they do everything they can and everything still just fucking goes wrong for them it's not mm-hmm. like oh these people are being punished for being you know sexual they're not she's not being punished for wanting to have an abortion there's no moral basis it's just a horrible happening and i think that's what makes it effective i fully agree also i would like to say it feels incredibly well paced yes because it's it's set over like what two days but like the most of it happens in sort of one night 
really. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Um, and that, it feels like a night, to, like, it feels like it takes place over several hours. Like, it felt like a long movie. It's only an hour and 37 minutes or something like that. Yes, yeah. It just felt so well paced. Everything was, you know, you get right kind of into the action with the first kill and then you kind of go back and build the content. Yeah, there's still enough character stuff. Yeah. Like, because some mov- some horror movies, I find, jump right into horror. It's mm-hmm. like, bang, 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 we're, we're, we're right in the midst of it. There's no time for development or anything like that. It's just violence now. Yeah. yeah. Or they meander for so long and then all the kills happen in like the last 15 minutes. Yeah. This is better structured and better edited and better paced than all of that. Yeah. I just think it's just, I don't know, all the shots are really nicely done. Like, all the POV shots, it was one of the first things to do, like, a POV shot in this kind of manner, because Halloween then took it on in 78 with POV yeah. shots. But, um, and it just, I don't know, it's so effective. It's just so... Yes. The whole thing is so incredibly... Well no, Yeah, well done. I just don't... There's not much more I can say. It's just great. Yep. I think it's... Yeah. We'll, we'll get into some more stuff during our scores, I'm sure. But, yeah. Uh, it's a uh, damn near perfect movie as a whole. Like, if you're looking at it from, like, a complete, you know, beginning, middle, end, entire cinematic experience, yep. I think that it is as close to perfect as you can get for this particular genre and this sort of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, I agree. I also want to say that I think the tension was amazing, which sort of like falls into sort of the pacing editing category, but the whole thing where they can't get the trace on the two first phone calls and then they finally get it on the third one. That's actually like sort of a 15 minute segment of the film. Yeah. We're just building like, they're like, we can't get it. We can't get it. We need to hold them on the line for longer. Yeah. Running around the place where they traced the phone calls, which is sort of like these rows and rows of you know metal you know i don't know how to clanging machines yeah Look, man i'm i'm little i'm only a baby i don't know how they used to <laughs> yeah. trace phone calls a i just know there's directory. a lot of machines yeah yes it's so stressful and there's so, so much good. of it that's so tense and suspenseful i just I really liked it so do you have any bad <sighs> i mean I wrote some bad, and I don't even necessarily agree with myself. <laughs> yeah, like, so we can discuss it, but we don't necessarily have to agree with it. But basically, it would have kind of been nice to know a little bit more about Billy and Agnes in some ways, just because we both have, yeah. you know, that crazy morbid curiosity kind of thing where I'm just always, I'm slightly like, frustrated that I Stephen would, like... King syndrome. A slight hint towards... I just want to know who Agnes was. I just want to know. I wish they'd... I mean, I don't wish this because I think that it's perfect the way it is, but them finding like a letter or something that, or like a picture or I don't know. I think that even ma- that would be too but much. I think even that would be too much. Yeah. So I think that it's fine the way it is. I just think it's my morbid curiosity yeah. wanting to. So I don't even really think this falls under bad. No. It's just. It's like frustrating in a good way. Like I'm frustrated that I don't know. Well, just like the police <laughs> are frustrated that they don't know who it fucking is. Like it's it's yeah. immersive in that respect because when I want to know more too. When I watched the 2006 version last night, they massively, massively, massively over explain it. Mm-hmm. It is so much, so much. 
and it ruined it it ruined yeah. it for me i was I like i hate this sucks. i hate the explanation so much i don't even know if i should yeah, say like, it uh, please don't it's actually like deeply disturbing i kind of hate it's it really you guys upsetting. can look it up in your own time yeah uh it's awful i don't know it just and feels a little bit like it's for shock value and stuff and it doesn't you know there's yeah, no point you didn't need to do that it didn't work for me so like the plot of the film is shocking enough as it is you don't need to add all this like weird extra shit yeah i guess my only sort of genuinely bad point and again it's still like it's really like nitpicking at this yeah. point is i think mrs max kill was kind of like so insanely implausible like how the hell did that hook like pierce, like, pierce into her, her throat, throat like that it was coming out her like vaguely fast yeah it, it would have just conked her not like pierced her into so it would have been better to see him actually like shove it into her throat yeah. and then winch her up i guess but you know, again, it's nitpicking, and that's really and my that's, only that's negative. All I got yeah, I was going to say, I just think... That's I it. I think that's it, really. I don't know. All right, so let's get into the gory, then. All right. What is your favourite kill? I would probably have to say that Bob's is probably my favourite. Okay. Um, yep. Just because I think it's interesting how, you know, they sort of fake you out because Billy's in her room, and then she wakes up. Like, from what yes. she thinks is a nightmare, like, with an asthma attack. Yeah, bluffed. Yes, you get bluffed. And then Jess leaves the room again, letting Bob go back to sleep. And then she fucking gets murdered with her own, like, glass unicorn thing. Yeah, that's... The, the unicorn being used as a weapon yeah. is fun. Because, yeah, the thing is interesting about Billy, he never has, like, a consistent weapon. No. All his, like, MOs are very different yeah like his stuff doesn't really everybody. seem premeditated it's just kind of like he's just on a rampage well i think i think he's yeah i think it's like crimes of not passion but you know what i mean yeah. like he's just feeling impulsed to kill yeah and he almost seems to hate it because he's like screaming at himself like bad billy dirty billy yeah. like filthy billy that kind of thing so it's not premeditated it just feels like i'm just gonna go kill yeah. kill kill kind of yeah, thing yeah um, what about you? So Claire's is actually my favorite. Oh yeah. Even though it's pretty much all off screen, I think that the plastic suffocation is very disturbing to me, but I also think that the imagery is particularly iconic of this movie. Her being in the rocking chair with the plastic wrapped around her head, like inhaled into her mouth, holding the baby doll rocking in the yeah, rocking chair. Yeah, and her face is visible from the yeah, and the street and uh, from the window and but nobody ever finds Ugh, her so it's all just very creepy like it's the creepiest most unsettling death to me so that one is my personal that's fair favorite. that's fair i mean that one would definitely be like my second favorite but i just liked barbs because it was like i don't know frustrating because they almost like saved her yeah i know she just come downstairs with jess and gotten out of bed <sighs> All right. Well, I think that's that. Shall we get into our next segment? <laughs> I'm so excited for this. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. So we are now brought to our brand new segment, which is Ask the Public. Yay. <laughs> so each week, I'm going to choose a handful of demented Amazon reviews. Like, I'm going to find the craziest <laughs> of the crazy. Yes. And I'm going to read them to Bella without her having seen anything. So I'm going to do some dramatic nope, readings. I have no idea what's about to happen. And so for a movie that's technically really good, I'm going to mostly look at one-star reviews. I think in general, I'm probably going to, like, 
mostly be pottering around the the one star area but yeah. there may be some like and then different. if we if we do like a genuinely really terrible film that like we know is see awful who loves we'll it. see who loves it <laughs> yeah. i'm just intrigued yeah okay that's fine so this week i've got four reviews and they are all one star okay so all right so first i will read the title of the review who it's written by then i will read the review to you (laughs) okay let's go so we're starting with two just very short ones they're basically just little sentences a waste of time by denise (laughs) denise all capitals i searched the web for the all-time scariest movie this was at the top what a joke in fact it was not as i expected the evil dead was better than this okay interesting (laughs) so she hates the evil dead too so So, yeah i'm assuming by yeah the context clues there lead me to believe (laughs) that she also hates the evil dead which is interesting i would like a joke (laughs) what a joke what a waste of time denise Denise. 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 I would like to know what her favourite horror film is. Like, what do you think her favourite is? Like, Paranormal Activity or The Conjuring. Yes, I think you're probably right. Something that has lots of jump scares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, I don't, have modern. A, I don't have a particular issue with jump scares or either of those movies, but they're just like, it's just not great. Every time somebody has bad taste in horror, they're always It's one fa- of those two. It's like, something I like that the they've seen but it's... broad release in cinema yes. that's like, you know, made lots of money. A Blumhouse like, production, Even usually. people who don't like horror have seen yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're not a horror fan, but still everyone's seen like Insidious. All right, let's go on to our next short one. <laughs> Terrible movie about as scary as Barney and uh, by Clock User. What? His name's Clock User? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't everyone use clocks? <laughs> yes. Right. Okay, you know what? Bought this by accident. Oh. Watched it and would give it less than one star if possible. Oh. Terrible movie and about as scary as Barney and Friends. <laughs> Oh. I just, like, bought this by accident. How did did you do that? (laughs) How did he buy it by accident? That was so cursed. What was he trying to do? buying Black Christmas by accident just shows up in your house. Oh my god, how did he do it? Like, I don't understand how he did that. (laughs) I guess he probably bought it on, like, Amazon Prime by accident or something. But, like, how by by accident? (laughs) I don't know. How by, how do that? Okay, We now have two sort of longer ones coming up. Okay. Dark and Ugly by Rock Hard. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) This... Well, the thing is, reading this review, I'm almost like, is this person doing a a joke? But like... Oh my god, okay, please. I don't think that they are, so... Rock Hard. This movie is not even close to being a mild slasher. You'd be better served watching A Nightmare on Elm Street. This movie is just plain sick and disgusting to watch. What? It's the total opposite of White Crispus. What? This movie should have been called Halloween Hell. What? Sometimes I wonder what goes through the minds of these screenwriters. The movie begins with the camera focusing on the five-pointed stars on the building and on the building number, which is six. Put the two stars and the number together, and what do you get? I mean, what? not six, six, six. No, like your maths you, is. Uh, huh? What does he mean? Pardon? Pardon? Uh, uh, the stars are because it's Christmas, I would like to say. Oh, yeah, I just want to point that out. 
The movie also gave screen time to drunkenness, sexual <laughs> graphics, and expressions. <laughs> The sicko in this film speaks in different nerve-wracking voices, so you also have possession in this freak flick. Another thing you may want to know is that there is an underlying theme, abortion. This movie was released in 1974, a year after abortion was legalized. It focuses on the right of a woman to have an abortion regardless of what the man thinks, wants, or what is right. And in deadly terms, it states that if you're against abortion, you deserve to die. <laughs> These are all unsettling and purposefully crafted messages within an inhuman movie. It is not to be watched during the Christmas season, especially with loved ones and family. In fact, if you can avoid it, it's not to be watched at all. But if you're disposed to watch it, not without a high degree of perturbation, nausea, and an inclination to jettison the entire contents out of your stomach and intestines. Bluntly speaking, this movie is about evil and death fair warning my mouth was wide open that entire <laughs> reading I, I, I that has to be a the joke is, right no no the thing is i thought it was a joke but i actually just think this is like a super uptight dude oh my like God. i think this is like a really uptight middle age the thing, man the thing that i'm That's genuinely confused by is that he says you'd be better served watching Nightmare on Elm Street. Does he think that Nightmare on Elm Street is, like... Fun? I guess just because it's fun and he, like... Yeah, but there's still sexual references. There's references to, like, child I... molestation in it. Right? Mm. Is he, like... He's like, that's fine. That's... <laughs> but Christmas <laughs> I stars, the, fuck I draw off. the line. I draw the line at drunkenness of women. Yeah, I, that's where he draws the line. But child molestation and like burning down a building, blood and, everywhere, yeah, I, horrible I'm things. Very confused. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Bluntly speaking, this movie is about evil and death. Like that's yeah. insane. Yeah, like every other horror movie. <laughs> it's so funny to me that he described everything that I liked about the movie. Literally, I love that he was like. Oh, and it states, if you're against abortion, you deserve to die. Like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I kind of don't know, man. So sorry about it. <laughs> I don't know about it. No, I'll try and get too political on here, but, but uh, uh, you know my feelings about that situation. All right, um, now we're going for the... This was fairly psychotic. We're now going okay. full deranged. Okay. Whoa. Okay, so we're going up from here? I don't know if up from here, because I think that person's more of an asshole than this next person. Okay. But this next person, like, not one word is, like, spelt correctly. It's sort of just, like, a flow of thought. Very that good. Is, yeah. I'm going to have trouble reading this, but I'm going to do my best. Halloween is the first slasher, not this slasher. By Steve. Okay. Halloween is the very first slasher. This movie is terrible. Now I know you are going to stop reading and press no, but just listen to me for you people that say Halloween owes a lot to this movie, you can kiss my ass. Halloween is an original masterpiece that started slashers and the only movie Halloween owes to is Hitchcock films because John Carpenter used Hitchcock Technicus and oh. as soon as Halloween came out, a million imitators came out and said no one even knows about this trash and for you people say that the killer in this movie is different to michael myers and jason how dare you compare michael to jason and michael is a force oh. of nature this guy oh. is just a whack job 
Okay. The POV oh. scene in Halloween came from Chinatown, but other than that, Halloween was an idea from Ibn Yablons, who asked John to direct it. Halloween is the very first slasher and does not owe shit to this trash and is a completely original story and did not copy, it got copied. And Halloween is the very first slasher that 95% of horrors and thrillers you see a days now owe it to Halloween, not this trash and not even a slasher. Halloween is the very first slasher that is a fact. I think John Carpenter wrote that. <laughs> Fuck me. Holy hell. <laughs> Wait, what was the user called? Just Steve. <laughs> Steve is a big fan of Halloween. Could yeah. you tell? Could you, you don't Did you get say. that vibe? Also, I like how he contradicts himself by saying Halloween is a first slasher and then he says it owes everything to Hitchcock because Psycho really probably is the first slasher. Yeah, yeah. So what point is he trying to make? I don't I understand. Don't know, but I also love that he says, and you people say the killer in this movie is different than Michael Myers and Jason. How dare you compare Michael to Jason? Like he even gets mad at himself for yeah. comparing Michael to Jason. Like for- nobody said that. No one said that. No one has said no one. Like has he's said now that. mad about but Friday the thirteenth, too. Yeah, now he's going off about Jason too. He's like, fuck that bitch as well. Yeah, fuck fuck all of this. <laughs> Fucking Steve! What was the what was the title called? Halloween is the first slasher, not this slasher, or caps. Okay, yeah. The last sentence reads like um hand hook car door, whatever. <laughs> Man door hand hook car door. Yeah, it's like uh horrors and thrillers nowadays owe it to Halloween, not this trash, it's not even a slasher. Halloween is the very first slasher, and that is a fact. <laughs> He just says slasher so much <laughs> and nothing was spelt right. Like I, I emphasized some of those. Oh but, bro, um, Steve's a real fan. Steve clearly knows what he's talking about. He spells Michael like Mikhail and Mikel like on different occasions. Too. Very good. Very good. And every word that is very has like multiple R's in it, so it's supposed to be dragged out like Halloween very. is the very first slasher. This movie is terrible. Uh, wow. <laughs> I also love, I know you are now going to stop reading and press no. <laughs> <laughs> me when I make a, me, <laughs> make a tweet. I know you're going to stop reading and press no. And press no. <laughs> but just listen to me. Please. Hear me out. Please listen to me. My wife stopped listening to me years ago. Please. <laughs> Please. Don't press no. Get this man a letterbox. Please, I would love to see his letterbox reviews. It would be incredible. (laughs) It's so funny. Um, Which was your favorite review? I mean, (laughs) I. Which is the most bonkers? I mean, the most bonkers is clearly Steve. Yeah, just off the bat, I do. um, Rock hard is also borderline deranged. Made some points. Rock Hard really made some uh, interesting. <laughs> well, the thing is, Rock Hard agreed with us. Agreed with us on everything, but he just hated. But all he just of hated it. it. Yeah, <laughs> he made some points that he believes are evil, and I like yeah. that about the movie. But he's just like, it's disgusting. But tell you what, isn't disgusting tonight. We're on Elm Street. What the fuck is he talking about? I do love this movie. Gave screen time to drunkenness and sexual expressions. Oh like my God. Jesus Christ, man! 
Like, and it's what like year, this movie what year should not review be... come out. Like it sounds like how they would review right. it in 1974. Like that I love sounds like this shouldn't be watched with your family. And I'm like, no shit, it's rated 18. Yeah, who? Why would you be watching? Like it's a horror Don't movie. Do that. Oh my god. I think people get the knickers in a twist when something like this comes out on Christmas. Because like Christmas is Christ Christmas Day. Is for- Christmas is for family and love. And I'm like, yeah, but it's also for a cheeky bit of bloodshed. Oh, yes. Always. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, well, that was fun. That That was good. I enjoyed that (laughs) immensely. Um. (laughs) We should get into trivia, I think, now. (laughs) Yeah, let's go. All right. So, would you like to handle uh, the first piece of trivia? I would like to handle the first piece of trivia, thank you very much. See, this is quite a long piece of trivia, so I will try and go through it quite quickly, but I just thought it was, like, really, I don't know, interesting. It gave me the spooks when I got to the last sentence of it. I was like, oh, fuck. Ooh, okay. So, originally, NBC scheduled this film for its primetime network debut on January 28th, 1978, under the title Stranger in the House. So no longer a Christmas movie, they decided it was going to be broadcast later. Fine, whatever. However, on January 15th, 1978, so about a week before it was scheduled, two female students at Florida State University were murdered by an assailant who broke into the sorority house where they lived. Three other young women in the immediate vicinity were attacked and assaulted. Obviously very similar to the plot of this movie. Oh. God. NBC received numerous pleas from locals to pull the movie from broadcast in light of the crimes because obviously inappropriate. Yeah. And after first stating that they would offer the local affiliates an alternate movie to broadcast, they decided they couldn't find it or they just decided to pull the plug on the movie altogether. Instead, the film Doc Savage Man of Bronze was shown. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, but NBC instead ran Stranger in the House, you know, renamed Black Christmas as a late movie on May 14th of the same year, so a good couple months later. However, this is this is the bit that really spooked me. The perpetrator of the crimes at Florida State University was years later identified as serial killer Ted Bundy. <gasps> oh my god. Like, is that not so That's fucked? Bonkers. I like Ooh. that really got me when I read it. I was like, oh shit. Oh, sh- Jesus Christ. Yeah. Isn't that yeah, crazy? That's, that's um, insane. That's nuts. That's, that's nuts. Yeah. That's fucked. Yeah, that's that's absolutely wild. Oh my god. Right. You you go. Maybe some more lighthearted. Right. Well, I mean, or not. Okay, you do I'll, whatever I'll you very, want. I'll go very lighthearted. Legend has it that this was Elvis Presley's favorite <laughs> horror movie, and his tradition was to watch it every Christmas. <laughs> Yay! Further rumors say that his family kept the tradition alive and watched it in his memory every year. If true, Elvis would have celebrated this tradition only a maximum of three times before his untimely death in August of 1977. Less than three years after the film's initial release. Oh. But fun if true. Big if just, true. If it's Big not if true. <laughs> if it's not true, who made this who made this lie up if it's not? Like, like Yeah, like why would you make it up is the question. <laughs> it's very um spinning a uh, 
a like a wheel with just random phrases on it. She's like, "Black Christmas is Elvis Presley's <laughs> favorite movie, favorite new Christmas <laughs> like, movie." Wild, <sighs> wild to me. That's so funny. Okay, I have another piece of trivia, which is not incredibly interesting, but I just think it links interestingly back to. I'm pretty sure it was Halloween. I've discussed the same concept before in a trivia for another episode. I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure it was Halloween. I could be wrong. This is the sequel to Mysterious Book out of print about horror movie. So the original script was over 166 pages long before Bob Clark came in to do some rewrites, the director that is. The unaltered script, if it had been filmed, would have easily produced a near three hour long film. Very strange obviously cut down fine but this script was later used as a basis for the long out of print novelization written by lee hayes why do they keep doing these secret books that's so weird it was it halloween that i talked about that i swear to god yeah yeah um, it was it was there's there's a secret out of print book that is impossible to get your hands on that details like all of this crazy stuff about michael myers in that book and no one can fucking find it and it's the same with this. Like, there's a book about this movie. Interesting. Novelization. No one can find it. It's gone. I'm obsessed with that. I love... Secret that's, books. That's so cursed. Secret I love it. Secret horror books. I want to fucking find them. I want a secret horror book. That's something we would sell at the Gorporium. Oh, man. If I can ever get my fucking hands on either of those, I would lose my mind. But, like, I just don't think you can even find we them. We will put them in pride of place at- Corporeum. Yeah, I just think that's so cool, like secret book. That's very sick. good, very interesting. Yeah. You got another one? I've got several actually. Um right, so this film is actually regarded as being one of the first slasher movies, along with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, nineteen seventy-four, A Bay of Blood, nineteen seventy-one, Psycho, nineteen sixty, and Peeping Tom, which was also nineteen sixty. A lot of people prefer to think of peeping tom as being the first slasher instead of psycho so that is interesting matter of opinion Hmm. but it's obviously not as well known yeah well it's very british okay interesting similarly this film was thought to be the first slasher film ever to put the audience in the killer's pov however it actually turns out that peeping tom was actually the first and then this convention was popularized by halloween yeah absolutely Yes, see that, Steve, you motherfucker. Yeah, Peeping Tom is... Yeah, I'm surprised this guy didn't mention Peeping Tom. Like, if you're such a horror buff... If he's such a big fucking horror buff, stupid fucking Steve. So Peeping Tom is a British movie about a guy who's a... He's sort of a pervert as well. Like, he films, like, pornographic movies and sex workers and stuff. And Mm. a lot of it's through the uh, point of view of his camera. Oh, interesting. It's very interesting. It's not an easy watch, but it is very good. Okay, cool. I'll put that on my watch list. Okay, I also have, like, two little facts about Bob. Go. Bob facts. Bob facts. So... Barb was actually intended to be bisexual, as uh, she's seen like looking at Playboy magazines, and she's one of the characters that doesn't have a boyfriend or anything. Uh, she doesn't seem that interested in men in general. I mean, she's uh, she sort of talks about having sex with men, but she's very much like looks at women. Yeah, if that makes sense. So she was intended to be written as a bisexual, but I imagine in the script rewrites, parts of that was like taken out. Yeah, absolutely. And also the actress who played Barb, Margot Kiddo, insisted on drinking real alcohol for the various <laughs> scenes where Barb was to be 
<laughs> drunk um, <laughs> to make it convincing. It sure was convincing. Love she was that wasted. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if she was actually that drunk. I was probably she's not. She's probably played it up. Yeah, yeah but respect i love her uh, <laughs> my my bisexual drunken queen oh my god we I get on her. so well she's so funny um and i have like a final little one which is in order to get the proper creepy and raspy voice for billy actor nick minusco had to stand on his head in order to compress the thorax in his neck that seems unhealthy yeah so that he stood bad. on his head and recorded them like billy that's horrible billy. like no. if you put your like you know your hand up to your throat and then you sound like this oh yeah it's like it's like that oh my so. god that's yeah impressive i don't think i even could stand on my head let alone like record lines they have to hold a script no. upside down for him <laughs> i don't know that's fun um, but it worked it's very effective sure did. horrifying good job nick do you have anything yeah i've got one more that kind of links to like your one about it being one of the first slashers but this one this film holds the honor of being the first seasonal slasher film a horror movie that takes place during a holiday of some description in horror movie history and would be later followed by halloween friday the 13th prom night mother's day graduation day my bloody valentine silent night deadly night and april fool's day interesting so you know that that sort of is quite a common um, horror movie motif of like, oh, it's on a holiday. Whoa. It's on a holiday. Everyone's like home for the holiday. However, blah, blah, blah. there has yet to be an Easter themed horror movie. I'm waiting for that one. <gasps> There's a movie Holidays, which is a anthology oh, and that yeah. does have an easter segment I but uh, other so. than that i haven't seen any uh, there's no full length that i am aware of mm. there's a thanksgiving movie called thanks killing which is about a possessed turkey <laughs> there's not really Excellent. any um there's not very many new year's eve horror movies either no. so some holidays are lacking but um, like, if anyone if anyone knows of any easter themed horror movies other than holidays let me know because I will put it in a yeah. corrections corner. <laughs> um, Bella. Yes. I don't want to be offensive to the Irish. Um, but is Leprechaun set on St. Patrick's Day? Uh, I can. I will look it up for you right now. I don't want to assume that it is, but I feel like that movie is pretty offensive. Um, so yeah, it's a whole. F- um. That's a whole. Tra- <laughs> I mean, there's a third one is called Leprechaun in the Hood. Like. Yeah. I'm not like <laughs> I don't think yeah. be, it's offensive like as it is. <laughs> um Leprechaun is often broadcast on St. Patrick's Day. I don't know that it okay. is <laughs> I love set. that it gets broadcast. On, yeah, well, to be fair, if it gets broadcast on St. Patrick's Day, to me that's a St. Patrick's Day it's movie. A, then. Yeah, it's a St. Patrick's Day movie. And it's about yeah. a leprechaun who you know, he wants his fucking pot of gold back or whatever. Like, that's yeah. the whole deal. That's, I would say that's St. Patrick's Day, like, themed in many ways. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Speaking of um, movies that take place on holidays, there's a uh, Hulu series that's collabed with Blumhouse. It's got two seasons of it. Oh, yeah. And each episode is a full-length movie. What? By different directors that take place on different holidays. Man, that's not... Is it any good? Have you seen any of it? I think most of the episodes are, like, okay. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of them are just kind of, like, they're, like, a fun 80-90 minute slasher yeah. movie or whatever. There's, like, 12 episodes a season. Yeah. I don't think it's anything amazing, but apparently 
apparently some episodes are fairly good. Like yeah. on Letterboxd, when you look at them, the sort of average for each movie is like three stars, 3.5 stars. Okay. But I kind of want to watch them just because I feel like they'll be like an easy like oh, for sure. background watch. But there's like two lots of Christmas ones, two lots of New Year's ones because yeah. it's two seasons. So I might have a watch for Christmas. Watch. I do think you run into that problem though with... Um, anthologies that are all by different directors and writers because like, obviously I, yeah. lo- I love anthologies when they're all by the same person and they're just sort of telling four different little vignettes. Well I don't even think that's the problem here because obviously it's just supposed to be showcasing full length movies from by different, different directors. Yeah. It's just some of them are going to be better than them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, that's, that's the problem I suppose. It is. It is what it is. Shall we get into the scores? Yeah, let's decide where this goes in the shop. So, the scores. First things first, let's put our critic's hat on. (laughs) What does your critic hat look like? (laughs) My critic hat? It's like a big, tall Lincoln-type hat, but it has a fun pink... Yeah, a big top hat, but it has a fun pink bow around it. Oh, that's very nice. Like a pink ribbon. That's lovely. <laughs> yeah, I've girlied it up. My critic hat, hat this week is... It, it's a... It's, uh, like, you know, like an Australian, like... what I don't even know how you would describe, like, call them. Like, you know, the One straw of them hats, hats. with all the, the little dangly be- bits. The little beads that, I guess, keep flies away. Yeah, yeah. I just think they're funny and I want to shake my head around with it and like, right. hit people with the little beads. That's my critic hat this week. All right. So our critic hats are on. Sure How is. How good is this movie out of 10 to you? Go. Nine. Oh, okay. It could have been a 10... But I know I just feel like I want to keep the ten for like I know this we've almost said this is like a perfect movie, but I'm just like waiting for one day for something to be a ten, ten, ten out of ten, and I don't want to ruin my score yet. I don't want to ruin my like um, scoring threshold yet. It's a ten from me. Okay, okay, that's fair. All right. So personal preference, despite your critical score, how much do you like it out of ten? Ten. 10 for me yay all right fear factor what are you scared of this week okay so i went to a farmer's market this sunday i left the gold pouring with my housemates we went to the farmer's market it was a bit weird a man who was selling tomatoes flirted with me very strange all round. <laughs> i bought a bag of very tasty looking pears and i'm waiting for them to ripen last night i had a dream that someone broke into my house and ate all of my nice juicy ripe pears <laughs> and when i woke up i went <laughs> in real life like i don't know some time ago like an hour ago or whatever i went to go make coffee and i saw all of my pears in their nice little bag waiting to be eaten i was so happy that my pears were still there because in my dream i was so upset no like i was devastated pears. i was like my i'd been waiting for them to fucking ripen how <laughs> dare you eat my fucking pears and i was so upset and so now i'm scared of people stealing my pears fair enough and out of five stolen pears, this is a four. All right. My fear of the week, I think, is uh, dog hair. Okay. There's been a lot of uh, gremlin hair all over my the Gorporium because it is changing seasons. There's some shedding going on. There's a lot of vacuuming to be done. 
every day. Lovely. And uh, stressing me out. So um, That's reasonable. Out of five like huge clumps of dog hair, this movie gets a five from me. Wow. So yes, this movie gets a perfect 25 That's out crazy. of 25. Mine gets a 23 out of 25. Oh, I so wish that yours got a perfect I'm as well. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And that we sorry. could have had a perfect 50. I just think I just think I got a... I don't know, man. I just want to keep... I want to keep the 10s, like... I don't know. I'm sticking with what I'm saying, though. You're sticking with it? I'm sticking with it. All right. Well, this is definitely... Well, it's the highest rated movie that we've done Thus so far. Because it gets yeah. a 48 out of 50. That's a, which is that's a hot score. Very impressive. I actually don't think we'll ever get a movie that we both think is perfect. I don't think so. It's going to be a very tall... I thought this one might have been the one to do it. No, I was man, thinking I'm it waiting. yesterday. I just Ooh. think... What are you waiting for? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Scream? No, I don't even think that would get a ten out of ten for me. Really? I don't know. What what, is, I don't know what, what would a get 10 a ten out, out of ten. 10 for I don't you. know. Can you name one movie that gets a ten out of ten from you? The Handmaiden. <laughs> That's a weird choice, but okay. That's a ten That's out of ten. <laughs> right. Um, Good. American Honey. Ten out of ten. All right. Okay. Okay. So we're going on a non-horror route there, but yeah. I agree. All right. Okay, so this definitely gets handed over to the landlord. So, um, <clears throat> give me a second whilst I gear myself up to run down the hallway and uh, slide this under his door and uh, run back. Wish me luck. Be quick, be quick. All right. Go, go, go. And I'm back. Wow, <laughs> that was fast. I did it. I'm breaking a sweat. A nervous oh, sweat and a physical um, exercise sweat. That's the combination of the two. He sounds very happy to have received a new movie. Oh, uh, almost a bit too gleeful to the point that it's uh, giving me goosebumps. Oh dear. But I'm happy for him and uh, I'm happy to have a near perfect movie. Yes, so close. So close yet so far. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna hold this against me forever aren't you <laughs> no no i think that is i think a 48 out of 50 is very reasonable it's very very for this good movie. yeah i think that's still extremely good and i don't i think we'll be hard pressed to get find a movie that gets higher than a 48 because the fact is they have to have the fear factor too yeah so like it could be a great movie but like if it doesn't if it's not scary then no, it's not yeah, gonna it's I mean, I made the Fear Factor score lower than the other two scores for a reason, because I don't think scary necessarily a good horror movie makes or whatever. But no, not necessarily, it but it plays is into factor. it. Yeah, no, yes. I agree. Well, I guess it's time to wrap up, and I guess it's time for you to be heading home. And if you live in a student house with a bunch of girls, be careful this holiday season. And just stay out of sororities full stop. Yeah, just, they're weird. They seem weird. They're weird, man. And we'd hate for you to mysteriously disappear. We'd have to go, like, looking for you and all kinds of nonsense. It's a Ugh. lot out of our daily schedule. I don't even think I own a flashlight or shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, who else would we talk to about horror movies? Exactly. Just each other. Can't do that. No. Join us next time for another Christmas-themed Fright Fest. And bring some decorations and some little gingerbread men with you, would you? And even on Christmas, you'll find us creeping around the Gorporium. 
See you soon.